have wonderful eyes. She's lost her mind! But you gotta help her! Dang it, Jim, I'm an astronomer, not a doctor! to a great start. Oh, yeah. So excited. Are, are you excited about today's wonderful film? I am. Me too. Uh, it's a pretty exciting movie. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it is? I do. What is it? I want to see how long we can go without saying the title. <laughs> well, this is a movie. It is. That is similar to another movie mm-hmm. that I've never seen. That is based off of another thing. Yes, a book. A book. Yeah, we're really nailing it. It's Treasure Planet, you guys. Treasure Planet. Treasure Planet. So much bigger than Treasure Island. It is. It's a. It's a whole other world, as they might say. And as I was saying, Mm. uh, I have not seen Treasure Island. I've not read Treasure Island, so that makes me one of the best people to possibly talk about Treasure Planet. (laughs) Offer up some insight. Uh, Yeah, I. I feel like it's almost worse because I have read Treasure Island, but I was so young when I read it, and I'm also not confident which version I read, which means, like, I don't know if it was one of those, like, kitty abridged versions where it was like, here you go, in 100 pages, here's what Treasure Treasure Island is. I don't think so. I remember it taking a while, and it was pretty wordy, so I'm feeling fairly confident that it was the, the OG source material. But Probably. that being said, I don't really remember much beyond, like, some of the few iconic bits in the beginning. Like, the black spot, the X marks the spot, um, Jim and the apple barrel. And that's, like, it. That's all I got. And I honestly, I feel like that might be fused a little bit with some of Muppet Treasure Island. Which I have also not seen. Which I have seen, but again, don't remember very well. So, we're really doing a great job. Thought it was best to go backwards. Yeah, you know? exactly. Start with Treasure Treasure Planet, and then your, work your way through Muppet Treasure Island, back to like the nineteen was it the nineteen fifties where they did? Yeah, it was the, the, the fifties. Yeah. That's what I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there um, are a lot of movies. By there's the way. so many movies. I mean, this a lot of like, them are from lots of different countries. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess why this, why did we do Treasure Planet first? Well, we thought it'd be fun. <laughs> also, because I don't think. You couldn't remember if you'd ever seen it. No, I hadn't seen and it. And I hadn't seen it since theaters. I realized this, that I had definitely just seen trailers. Well, that's the a thing. a good segue is into The marketing our... for this thing was like a doozy. Yeah. Um, I very, very much remember, uh, I don't know if it was attached to like a VHS, probably not at that point, if it's a 2000. I'm sure that I saw trailers on the Disney Channel a lot. Yeah, and also like on, on the, the um, DVDs, like the yeah, preview menu. Yeah. I like there are certain lines when we were watching this film where he's like it's Treasure Planet. And I was like, "Holy shit, oh. that's for the trailer." <laughs> I think I remembered even some of the the visuals, but as soon as we got like 10 minutes in, yeah. I could tell that I definitely had not actually seen it. It yeah. was just all I really remembered was him on his little surfy thing, mm-hmm. which he only really does at the beginning of the movie. And it was like briefly at the end, yeah. Yeah, oh, well, the for the action at the end. But right. I always assumed like that happened a lot, so clearly I had not actually seen the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was just cool surfing for the uh, mm-hmm. for the, for the trailers because surfing was was pretty in probably in 
2000 whatever year. They started year. doing this weird thing in Disney animation where in Tarzan, which came out before this in 99. He surfs. He surfs. They modeled it off of like surfers and skateboarders. And then um, they kind of, I don't know if they specifically modeled anybody off of him other than James Dean for, for Jim Hawkins. But they're like, let's get him a, a board. <laughs> So I feel like it was a thing in the like late, late 90s, early 2000s where they're like, this is how the kids are going to relate. It was an extreme time where there were lots of skateboards. Um, yeah. And other extreme vehicles, extreme bikes and such. The X Games. I, uh, you know, hadn't, didn't see Tarzan for a long time either and yeah. also thought that movie was just... That so was funny. another one where they showed a lot of behind the scenes and they're like, they kept talking about the skateboarding and the surfing and stuff. You're really excited. Yeah. Well... You did see Treasure Planet. I did. I believe. Although a in long theaters, time ago, I think. In theaters, yes. which is wild. Because um, I was a little bit past the age group, I think, for seeing it. Um, I don't know. I think like, so. What was the year? It was 2002. Yeah, I guess. So maybe. I think it was... No, maybe I, maybe I just thought I was too cool for it. It seems pretty spot on. I definitely thought I was too cool for it. That's I what I'm saying to you. Maybe was that was <laughs> the problem with the box office. Is everybody thought they were too cool for it. Which is something we will discuss at a later down the line about the you know reception of this and and everything, but um, yeah, I guess as we usually start, there um, is there is something about that you know, what? even though I hadn't ever experienced any form of Treasure Island, mm. I knew what it was, yeah, and that was like enough for me to see the trailer for Treasure Planet, and just think. Does they just change the name? <laughs> it's like I was resistant to it for some reason. I mean, they do change a couple of things about, but yeah, I they mean, do. obviously, they do. like Treasure Planet is based off of Treasure Island, but it's in space, and it's like, I, I wouldn't, you can't really say steampunk, because there's nothing steam-powered about it, but, like, it does have that aesthetic of, like, you know, old-timey with, like, I don't know, industrial tech. One of the punks. Yeah, one of the punks, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean, it is. The, yeah, it has the... There's, um, like, robots, robots and, then, and you know, you've got flying ships and spaceports, and it's cool, but, they're, you know, they're still, like, quintessentially pirates. It's old. almost like the reverse version of that, where yeah. uh, everything is basically super futuristic. It just looks like it's old ships and things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's basically, I mean, every I, most people know the story. It's very, very popular. You have this young kid with his mom who runs it in, and then he runs into a pirate, Billy Bones, who's and They didn't like, even change the names. They didn't even change the names, no. yeah. He runs into a pirate, Billy Bones, who has a map to this famous pirate captain's treasure which is on a treasure island in the original story and now it's treasure planet uh he basically dies they get attacked by pirates that burn down their inn but they have the map that billy bones left and they basically are like hey this map leads to a bunch of treasure let's go find the treasure and then they you know hire a ship and then there's a mutiny on the ship because it's from the pirates from earlier and they all land on the treasure planet and you know, chaos ensues. They they get away with their lives and maybe just a little bit of treasure. Basically, that's that's all. Yeah, so it's it's just a relic and good time. Yeah. But I mean, we've already touched on it, but I guess I'll go first. You, we've established you did not see it in theaters, but no, was clearly no. aware of it because of the marketing campaign that was everywhere. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah. Partially because of that bias that I had for some reason. Mm-hmm. I always probably knew it was better than. The my resistance saying. to it yeah um but i did i've always heard that it's considered sort of a, a dud or a yeah. flop i don't know if that's all relative or, it's definitely or a flop they lost so much money on this 
Well, there you go. But um, <laughs> I think yeah, I, I read somewhere, it probably doesn't stand today, but, um, and I will find sources on this, but they said that it, back in 2011, there's like, it's still one of the biggest flops they've ever yeah. had. I think it cost the studio, including marketing, they lost about, what, 71 million on this? Well, I assumed it was Insane. it was much worse, basically, because yeah. of that. And, and it was actually perfectly pleasant. I... Actually, I don't really understand. I'm sure someone knows why it was a, a flop like this. Because I don't know. Because it I think does seem like something that kids would want to see. Actually, I don't know. I don't know how to quite parse that out. Other than um, maybe um, competition. M- uh, yeah, maybe I should look into this. Yeah, I don't know. I think so, but also, um, I mean, because marketing was everywhere. But it's also more of a fact of like. It was so incredibly expensive to make uh-huh. that um, you know, basically, unless it was unless it wasn't a big hit, there was no way they're going to make the money back. Which is the thing is they were expecting it to be a big hit, but it, it definitely it it sounds more like a surefire hit. Yeah. Than a lot of the other stuff they were making around the same time. I mean, kids like pirates. Kids like you know laser guns and things yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's a really it's a fun melding of the two star honestly. wars had just come back theoretically there was a market for uh big space stuff yeah i mean the interesting thing about this film if you do want to talk about the production of it is like it is famous for um so it's the directors who are famous for little mermaid and hercules and aladdin and i don't know why i said it in that order because that's not the order of the release date but, you know, it is Ron Clements and John Musker who are, like, kind of classic Disney animated directors. Um, I think the most recent thing they've done is, like, Moana. I oh. don't know if they're on to anything else. But basically, they have been they were pitching Treasure Planet since, like, the 80s, like, before Little Mermaid. And then they got assigned Little Mermaid, and then they, like, pitched it again. And they're like, no, that's cute, we're going to give you Aladdin. And then they got, like, they tried to, like, pitch it again, and then they kept getting turned down, and they were getting really annoyed with it. They basically went to, like, Roy Disney, who was still there at the time, and was like, dude, we've been pitching this a million times, it's a passion project, can we make it work? And he's like, yeah, I'll tell them to make it work. And they made it work. And they basically exchanged the Hercules directing job. They're like, we'll take Hercules just so we can get this made. Mm-hmm. So it was like a one-for-one trade-off. And... um yeah, so this was like a passion project that they've been developing for like a very long time. And it took, it was one of the longest, like, you know, it was in production hell because it wouldn't get approved for X amount of years. So, yeah, basically, it just took a very, very long time for this thing to get made. And it was very expensive because they were trying to use um, three different styles of animation. So you have 2D, you have. 3D for the characters, but then you also have like a 3D generated environments. Um, mm-hmm. And they're not always used all in the same scene in tandem, but a lot of the times they are. And as a result, like, it's a very, very expensive process because, like, the technology is still new. So it was to, like, their advantage that it was delayed so often because they were able to try and fully realize a new style of animation that they thought worked for it. But, yeah, this is, like, kind of a, a hodgepodge of a movie. Yeah, um, we talked about that because I thought it was strange that mm-hmm. this was a passion project yes like it just doesn't come off like something that would be a passion project my assumption is that they were really into the the aesthetic of it the, yeah. the idea of of ships in space and things and all the, i don't know maybe the designs they could do for mm-hmm. for characters and things like that because they really uh stuck extremely close 
to the story of I Treasure mean, Island. They they kept the names yeah. like we were saying. Obviously, they didn't keep it exactly the same, but um, it can't imagine that their passion was to do anything but like basically just do Treasure Island. But they liked the idea of the visuals. I think it's a. I mean, obviously, we're just speculating here because we don't really know like what went into the process of development. But it is really fascinating to think like if this is your passion project and you're really drawn to a specific kind of aesthetic of whatever punk we want to call it, because I can't come up with the word for it. But to take that and just apply it to just honestly a tried and true story Mm -hmm. of like, hey, this is a very popular story, has been for a really long time. There's been different iterations of it. Like, here's our take on it. Um, I don't want to get like, I don't think this is the right comparison, but I think it's very similar to how people take like Shakespeare or Jane Austen and will like retrofit it and put their own spin on it. Um, even though the story is fundamentally the same. It's mm-hmm. a very safe bet in terms of being like, everybody already knows and likes this story, so we're not going to really touch it. We're just going to change the environments. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is that being said, um, <laughs> we've gone off track, but basically I, I remember uh, being like, yeah, this is okay when I saw it in theaters. Mm-hmm. I was like, it was, it was fine. Um, I have very vague memories of it. I think the people that I saw it with probably liked it a lot more than me, though I did really enjoy Morph. I distinctly remember that. I thought Morph was a little cutie. Hmm. Um, and so I think it's one of those movies where, like, you saw it in theaters or you didn't see it at all. There was a lot of marketing for it. And then, like, years down the line, everybody's talking about, like, it's that weird period in, in Disney animation where you're just like, yeah, it wasn't where people would be like, yeah, people, this wasn't like prestigious. Like, it's not in the Disney Renaissance, mm-hmm. but I really liked it. And a lot of people say that about this in, like, Atlantis. And they're just like, yeah, it's it's great. It's a, These are great films. And so I was really excited to rewatch it when we decided that this was our iteration of Treasure Island that we wanted to do. Because I hadn't seen it in over, you know, 15 years. And I was like, all right, let's see if I remember it and still liked it. Um, and if I might like it more. And honestly, I like it more now than when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. And that's probably just because, you know, I'm a little older and it's just easy to appreciate what they were trying to go for with the aesthetic. Like, also, I'm a huge fan of, like, spaceships, whether or not they're literal, like, man of warships or, like, you know, I, I like the little sci-fi edge to it. I think it's fun. There is an understated quality to it and the other movies around that time, mm-hmm. I think. Maybe just because uh, they were trying to, as a whole, Disney was trying to come up with something slightly different than all their big Classics, 90s ones. Yeah. And so they were maybe allowing a greater range of tone. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's um, probably the most interesting and unpredictable period for their movies in the last several decades, even though it's the least successful. Mm-hmm. Just because it's like a crazy grab bag. Yeah, it is also really interesting because like they are they are trying to do different things, but they are also pushing. They're trying to push animation forward. It's just, mm. um, it's not as seamless, and so it doesn't quite hold up in the same way because yeah. obviously you're you're using different animation formats, and when they're brand new, you're just like, wow, this is really interesting how they're mixing the 2D with the 3D. But you look at it now, and you're just kind of like. Oh, it looks a little weird. Yeah. Because, like, you obviously have a better eye now in 2020 of, like, well, I've seen a bunch of CGI, like, animation, 
and I know what it looks like, and I know what 2D looks like, and they they do look weird fused together sometimes, they were especially really early on it. in the process. And they were pushing in a lot of movies, um, not just Disney movies, mm. uh, but it's funny that they also did Hercules, considering um, Hercules also experimented with that. Yes. Um, well, interestingly, also, I feel like um, Hercules, they didn't want to do, apparently, uh, but it I does... Don't, I don't want to say, like, they didn't want to do it. I'm just saying, like... They, like, they were assigned they, to they it. They were assigned know? to yeah. it. They were assigned to, um, you know, lots of movies, but I think this one was, like, the last straw of, like, we yeah. will do this, but our next one absolutely has to be Treasure Planet. It's just interesting, because Hercules is really a lot more inventive, I think, on the whole. Yeah, but they um, are also trying to do different animation styles, or, yeah. like, art styles, for the animation, not well, the animation itself. I think that the big problem with a lot of the mix is that um, obviously 2D animation, I mean, you can do it in different styles, mm-hmm. but as far as its um, believability, it's been the same for a very long time. It's going to look uh, good. Everyone, you know, knows it's fake. You know, it looks like 2D um, drawings. Mm-hmm. 3D animation is usually attempting to look more like something kind of real. Mm-hmm. So when you see 2D animation like this mixed with the 3D, yeah, you're now seeing um, 2D animation from 20 years ago that holds up perfectly fine because it always has. But 3D animation ages like within really quick. one year. Yeah. So it's extremely obvious that those parts are cheap looking. Even though they were not cheap to yeah, make. Yeah, but the 2D animation looks the same as any other mm-hmm. uh, movie. Yeah. So it's that that's the problem, said, mainly, I, I think. I do love the aesthetic of the world. Yeah. Like, if you're just going to put a pin in, like, the animation and what holds up and what doesn't, or what you think has aged well or hasn't, like, overall, I love the idea of, mm. like, Treasure Planet and, like, it's Treasure Island in space. I'm like, sign me up. This sounds super fun. You mentioned character models yes. in three dimension that they were experimenting with, and some of that must be good. Yeah, so I think like the best I think example of this is Long John Silver, mm-hmm. who um, even like in Marquette's usually like traditionally it would be clay, but for like parts um, they did like plastic with um, like his arm and his eye and his stuff like that but yeah he's a character who's like kind of an amalgamation of 2d animation and then like the the cyborg parts um i can't remember which ones i'm pretty sure most of them if not all of them are cg well he looks good he looks I, good but I obviously he's like a main character probably look good though yeah uh, i think the stuff that doesn't look good which is usually the case with this is is the movements of big objects and things. They mm. use it all the time in the action in the movie. Yeah. Like when the ships are sailing through space. It's, yeah. it's that feeling of like, we used to be able to convey a movement like this in yeah. 2D animation, but it's really, really hard and it takes a while. So, you know, we found this really exciting new technology. Yeah. Uh, it makes it look so much smoother and faster. I think that's the problem is you don't feel weight. Yeah, it's too, it's too smooth and the difference is obvious also. It's yeah. obvious when it switches back and forth. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so that's that's the main issue with it. I think it's it's unavoidable, but unfortunately, parts of the movie just look a bit ugly as a result. Mm. They don't they don't completely convince you. Know. This is, I mean, I know obviously Disney is like in a slew of, of live action remakes, um, and I know that obviously Treasure Island is like we said at the top of the podcast, something that's been done a million times, different iterations, re like takes on it. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like you need to add another thing into the canon, but like 
I would be so down to see this as a live action because I think it would translate really well. Because like the world itself is really fun. That aesthetic even if, would be like, more interesting almost. Yeah, I think it would be really fun and might be captured well in live action because like you can make it look, I don't know, a little bit smoother, obviously, in terms of mm. like you're not flipping between different formats that aren't as seamless as they are on, in live action. Yeah. Anyway. That's my most negative sentiment about this movie. Is it though? Because you were really harping on on oh, a I have particular something to say, thing. Yes. Oh, uh, it's in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I took notes for this. Yeah, it's important. Um, my first note is about um, Jim Hawkins's hair. Yeah. He has some crazy hair. It, it was. You know what's really annoying about this what? complaint? It's like to me, I'm like, oh yeah, this is like a fun style design, like a cool character design. He looks fine. Like, I like it. And then as soon as you point out his hair, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with his hair. And then you pointed out the flaw of the hair. And then it's like, I can't unsee it. And it drives me nuts. <laughs> now, Jim Hawkins has a mix of styles, right? Yeah. He's got this actually rather trendy, modern um, it, It's pretty trendy for thing. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah like he, five years ago. He's got his sides buzzed. He's got a lot going on on the top. Yeah, he he's does. He's flopping around. So he sort of has now... Andy has like a '90s, yeah, uh, curtain fringe thing he's somehow. Got the, yeah, he's got a lot going on. And also, the back of the head is shaved, and he has like a long, uh, I guess we could just call it a pony thing. Yeah. At the bottom, mm-hmm. which is like all technically plausible. It's yeah. just that I feel it starts really low, and it's kind of confusing yeah, looking. Yeah, it's really annoying. I actually tried to pull my hair into a ponytail to prove that that's not weird can't do it basing <laughs> off of where the the pony starts and you cannot do the it hair is not strong enough but unless that you distance. have like ridiculously thick animated hair which his hair isn't even that thick well, more importantly yeah i just don't get how he keeps that up uh, yeah i mean it looks like a lot of work yeah there's so many different I'm things that are involved i offered the suggestion that maybe he's just like it's it's been too long and he's too embarrassed to ask like how do i manage it it's such a strange combination too because on mm. the one hand he's got this whole i've tied the back of it back to keep it out of my way, mm-hmm. but then somehow at the same time he has the most high maintenance hair that is possible on yeah, top. That's true. It's like what is he trying to achieve? It's like a mullet, but the middle of it is gone. Yeah, yeah. So I won't go on about it anymore. <laughs> I mean, we could though. <laughs> but it's it's something, yeah. you know. And everyone else's hair a lot more plausible. Than I do his. kind of enjoy the character designs. They're not they're not you know the prettiest of things, but they are very creative. Well, it took me a second to realize I that they were that animals. I take that back. You know, yeah, I know it did. <laughs> Which is great. Because you're like, wait, who is this supposed to be? like, that's a dog. I told you, I thought they just kind of looked like space creatures. Yeah. But well, that's the thing is they do. You do have, like, weird space creature designs. That's true. And then you also have, like, animals directly pulled. Like, if you're an alien, they're going for, like, the slug robot variant. That's but if very you're discriminatory, going for, like, really. A main, no, but it's true. Yeah. And then if you're going for like a main pirate character, it's a really interesting, creative, you know, scary design. Let's let's break this down. And then know. if you're like a good person, you're either like a rock, a dog, yeah. a cat, Captain or a human. Amelia. Captain Amelia is a cat. Is, oh yes. And okay, I She's got that one right well. away. By the way, that she was is, really obvious. She is. I mean, I know we, we usually save our like MVPs till the end, but she fucking she fucking wins that. Um, Plus, it's like it's it's. I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to say this title correctly. Yep, yep, yep. Dame Emma Thompson. Yes. Come on. She come does a on. good job. She deserves so much more love. And Doctor Doppler is a dog, as we've discussed. Yes. 
Uh, and as you said, uh, very confusingly, Mr. Arrow is uh, a big rock, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't really know how else you would <laughs> describe they don't, it. They don't really dig into the question of whether rocks have sentience or whether he's some sort of a troll. Or maybe it's like a, a covering creature. on his... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then we think that Long John Silver is like... You said he was a dog. I think he's a dog. But he's like a more dastardly dog than yeah. Dr. Doppler. Uh, obviously. And, um, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, because he has to be. Yeah. So, I mean, we did mention earlier that obviously they don't do a one-for-one one for everybody from the original, you know, novel to yes. uh, now. Because I think Dr. Doppler is like a combination of two, like, father figure slash we've signed up to go on this adventure yeah. with Jim Hopkins He goes, characters. He goes with some sort of he's like, doctor He's a combo or, of like Trelawney scientist. and one other guy. Yeah. And I can't remember. Um, but anyway, um, obviously like the big famous one for ones is like the two main characters. You got Jim Hawkins, except it is important to note he, I believe, is 15 in this movie. Mm-hmm. And in other iterations, he has always played younger. Interesting. Um, and I think, I don't know particularly why they were going for that for this one. Because but he's cooler this way. I mean, there is that. Look at his hair. But also, um, someone did point out, um, I think it was actually ter- one of the one of the screenwriters for Pirates of the Caribbean. I think he did a pass on this one. And I remember he, he said something about being a little disappointed that it was a missed opportunity that they had aged him up because the excitement and thrill of this boyhood adventure is the fact that he's a boy, mm-hmm. which makes the stakes higher because he is able to outsmart these people who are full-grown adults and pirates and scary, and he, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a kid. Like Hakon and Shipwrecked. Yeah, exactly like yes. Hakon and Shipwrecked, except I think he might be closer to 15 too. But he doesn't know what orphans are, so he could, you know, be well, younger. Well, he, he seems younger. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um... This guy is uh, aged, you know. Yes. And he was played by, by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who I don't know exactly how old he would have been, but it was more than... He was in his 20s, I would imagine. More, yeah, more than that, so... Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so obviously Jim is the same. The name is the same, even though he's aged down. Um, Long John Silver's is the same. Billy Bones is the same, mm-hmm. even though he's an alien. Um, and to be honest with you, I cannot remember any of the other names except for the scary crab man. I think that most of the other names are different. Yes. Uh, it's just the main ones. Just the, the, the main ones. So, yeah. yeah. I, I know this scary crab man. It's Is like he a Scroob. crab? Was he a crab? I don't know, but he scares the shit out of me. Yeah. He Scroob. was definitely some sort of, um, Scroob. Scroob member of that family, whatever those are called. I forgot. No idea. Hmm. But, um, Crustaceans. Oh, yes. No. A crustacean? Arth- Arth- no. Yeah. I don't know. I think he's a crustacean. No, that's octopus. A decapod? I don't remember. I'm just anyway, thinking of his the, name, the Moana. His name is Scroop. <laughs> um, songs. His name Scroop, is Scroop, yeah, although I got that from looking it up because I, I don't remember that from actually seeing the movie. Yep. They probably said it. They do it. mention it. I just thought he was scary, uh, yeah. crabby guy. Yeah, they also have What's-His-Face voicing him, and he's amazing oh, and always it? plays villains. Cannot pronounce his name. Don't know it off the top of my head. Oh, we looked it up. Um, but he played a lot of like fun 90s villains. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to see him. I had a note about Mr. Scroop. Yeah, about it. he's scary and gave I you nightmares. I think, me. you know, he obviously serves a very obvious function, which yes. is that he is super evil and bad, so he makes Long John Silver look a lot better. That is the other, that is something we should, uh, we should actually probably talk about pirates. <laughs> well, yeah, I figured podcast. we'd talk about Long John Silver. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I looked it up a bit because, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I haven't seen versions of this. 
and got the impression that basically in the original book, Long John Silver is pretty bad, you know, but with a hint of a... He has like a good relationship with Jim. He's fun, I guess, too. Yeah, you know, he and is, he's he is fun. like He's a pirate. He's, he's, he's a rogue. Yes. But, but it, it's not like a father-son no, dynamic, no. the way it is in this movie. They definitely cuddled him up, if that's a word. So it's a bit nicer when Disney adapted the story in the 50s and mm-hmm. went to the extent of like having him get away at the end and, and um, Jim tries to stop him and Long John Silver is gonna shoot him, but he can't bring himself to do it. So, so he doesn't. You know, that's pretty. Which humanizing. also happens in this one, if he can't bring himself to shoot yeah. Jim. but it goes even farther in this because, like you said, it basically takes kind of a a parental figure thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have a whole montage, man. Yeah, it's actually quite extreme because <laughs> it's played so far in that direction at the beginning that like it's almost a little weird i mean we all know he's the bad guy yeah and yet they go all in on like a soundtrack montage where they're best buddies it really feels like it should just be a movie about their friendship yeah and then in screen time i'm guessing when he like reveals he's bad to when he starts to show signs of redemption it's probably uh not that much of the movie, honestly. Like mm-hmm. half an hour, maybe. Yeah, well, his thing is, like, even if he is doing something quote-unquote bad that Jim witnessed by accident, he retroactively always tells him. He's like, well, I had to do that. You know, they're thinking I'm getting soft, and they could mm-hmm. have killed you and me. So, like, he does seem dangerous and deadly, and obviously he has... Oh, well, I guess dangerous, not really deadly. It's a bit back and forth because... Like when he tries to pull that on Jim at one point, yeah, and says, uh, "You know, I was just doing what was best for you." He does not buy it at all, you know. Yeah. He's like, "You're unbelievable. It's terrible." But you know, not that much longer. Right at the end, when he's leaving, he basically pulls a similar thing, where he's kind of like, "You see, we had a good relationship," and Jim's like, "We basically did." I mean, for most of the movie. Yeah, I feel fun. like. Um, well, he saves him, right? I feel like he's our. Yeah, I mean, this also does happen in the book, but like we said, their relationship is a little bit different. But um, you know, he they all survive. The people who survived the Treasure Island, you know, make port and go and pick up some more crew. And while that happens, like John gets away mm-hmm. and like steals like a bag of gold and, and gets away. And they're just like, oh, he escapes. All right. We're just like in the original, yeah. uh, Long John Silver uh, gives Morph away yes. to Jim. Yes. Same thing. It's so yeah. weird. That was in the book, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Morph is totally a character uh, from the original. No, uh, I mean, they do also hit certain beats. Like, um, mm-hmm. I the one thing I really remember, I don't know if this is, like, from Muppet Treasure Island, but I, I just always remember, like, Jim Hawkins in an apple barrel. It's, like, just an iconic image. And it was fun that they managed to pull it off, even though he's in a barrel. It's it's not apples. It's like some weird futuristic fruit future fruit. Future fruit. Yeah. It's like purple or something. Looks kind of tasty. Not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, that does feel like a very. Or maybe it was like a wishbone episode. But it is a classic <laughs> scene because it's a big reveal of like, oh my god, we're surrounded by pirates. They're bad guys. Well, like you, know, you said, they're planning um, a, mu- a mutiny. Long John Silver is not um, not exactly deadly. No. He, no. He, you know, because it's a Disney movie anyway, um, the kill count on screen oh is not God, high. But so stressful. But uh, that makes it a lot for, easier. Hats off for Mr. Arrow, you guys. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That was rough. It's a lot easier for him to be cuddly. That was rocky. Uh, <laughs> Terrible. I had to go for it. I'm really um, sorry. I regret nothing. <laughs> when uh, it's a lot easier for Long John Silver to be all cuddly when 
he doesn't really do much on screen that would ever make you think he's gone past the point of no return. Especially if you have a character like Scroop there to be like honestly the true villain in terms yeah, of like yeah. the the dastardly violence that will happen. The the Disneyfied Disneyfied version is much more like he just really wants this treasure. Yeah. Not so much focus on the possible murdering that goes along with it. Yeah. Um yeah, and his group is very it's very devious. And he, of course, is the one that gets rid of Mr. Arrow. That so, like, the one the one big death is not down to Long John Silver. And in that case, he legitimately doesn't know about it, you know? He's actually mad at him for doing it. He's like, yeah. if you pull that stone again, blah 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 uh, <laughs> Arg. And, uh, <laughs> then, yeah, well, he also gets, um, thrown into space, though. Mr. Yes, Mr. Group. It's I guess it's kind of poetic Fitting. symmetry. Yeah. Fitting end for you <laughs> and i mean i was kind of surprised they even went that far um because i'm just i'm just saying basically jim got an him. evil crab dude yeah and it. um yeah jim's got a kill count guys. i mean in a way it's it's the disney death because he did just fall but since into he fell space. into space yeah it's a little more dramatic <laughs> that's like saying mr arrow didn't really die he just <laughs> fell through a black hole i mean <laughs> i was going supernova which i don't know <laughs> the science but yeah i don't that. know if they could have been hanging out there i don't um, know but you know mr mr arrow is a rock though so i know it seems actually perfectly reasonable that he might be able to float through space it just hurts you and know? be fine it just hurts because you you can see it coming a mile away as soon as he like reprimands group on day one i'm like if they're ever in a cagey situation he's gonna scar this motherfucker I mean, and yeah, by yeah, scar exactly. i mean like scar from the lion king drop you i do think maybe they should have looked for him though because it, it does seem like he <laughs> could have survived maybe out there. that was you know that's the interesting thing about this so talking about pirate franchises and how expensive they are and they don't get made anymore it is kind of ironic that this is a animated pirate potential franchise that was so expensive and did not do well but i mean they will tell you they did have plans to make this a franchise like you can find basically the summary of what the second one was going to be Arrow's or the return. synopsis no, no, but that's what it fucking should have been. No, it's basically Jim's at like, fl- like Royal Fleet Academy or whatever, and he has a love interest named Kate, and they have to team up with Long John Silver because Ironbeard, who would have been potentially voiced by D- William Defoe, Ooh. um, is trying to break out some pirates in a mysterious prison, and they have to stop him. Well, that makes sense though, because the end is a, like a little epilogue, but it also definitely sets up for. That sort of thing. Yeah. Because he does come home from the Academy, mm-hmm. and it just reads like the conclusion of his character development, but also could obviously read as a little preview of the kind uh, of what's thing. what's coming next. Yeah, he might be up to next time. Yeah. Oh, let's just briefly mention, in the epilogue, there yeah. are dog-cat hybrid space babies. Are they hybrids, or did they do the Lady and the Tramp thing where the, the boy looks like the dad and the girls oh. look like the mom? I have to double check on that one. I'm pretty confident the girls look like the mom, but their coloring is a little bit different. It is. It's just generally helpful world building though, because we now know that the space dog and space cat varieties uh, are capable of having children. You know what's crazy? I read somewhere for trivia. I'm pretty sure it's on IMDb, where they said they had to cut a line because it was implied in the ending that it was the dad, Dr. Doppler, is the one that carried the babies, who was pregnant with the babies. <laughs> And they're like, this is a Disney movie. We cannot put that in there. So they cut it. But it's nice to know that little piece of trivia and think that he carried those kids. I like that they were just going for uh, weird alien biology all over yeah, the place. Yeah, and they're like, you can't do that. They were shut down, sadly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but we 
still don't know if like Mr. Arrow could procreate with any of the others. I mean, I'm more worried about his survival in space. Yes. Now you've you've kind of I feel like this is going to be my personal headcanon is that he did survive. Well, he probably just got picked up by a different ship. That's true. That's why he would have returned as the villain. Oh, that's some good terrible. shit. Yeah. Oh my god. Scoop on the other hand, I mean, he's Scoop out. is he, gone. He's, he's not a crab. A rock, he's a little crab. He's to go. He's got to go. He shouldn't even really be out of the water. I mean, I also appreciate that like this whole thing takes place in space and then I think like in the canon of the universe they came up with this concept of an atmosphere. There's a fancy word for it. I can't remember it. They came up basically with an atmosphere to be like, and this is the reason why none of them have to wear spacesuits. Mm -hmm. Like, they can breathe the air because it ruins our whole design. And honestly, it looks much cooler if we're not all wearing spacesuits the whole time. Um, especially because the character design is already cool on its own. You don't need to add a big a questionable, suit on A that. questionable excuse. Mm. I mean, mm. I'm, I, I, I go for it. I mean, you have to see the dog actors' faces. Exactly. It's very important. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I thought we could double up on this mm. this subject, the characters yes. of Morph and Ben, yes. who I would define as the characters for the kids. Yes. And um, don't forget the farting... Um, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the farting alien. <laughs> He's not in it as much, though. Yeah. He didn't get a full character arc. Mm. Uh I think obviously Morph is the biggest hit here because yes. he's great. He's great. Um, he's so cute and cuddly, but a little dastardly too. The yeah, he just kind of more. It is a little unclear where his his loyalties lie. He, he's a little fickle. Yeah. Uh, he does seem to be like in some way disappointed in Long John Silver. At he some he point. gets scared of him. It's so hard. Like, there's there's a bit of an Airbud moment, you know. Oh where, my god. <laughs> where he goes with Jim instead. It's true. And oh. um. You know, it's yeah, it is. It is heartbreaking, yeah. like you say. And then, of course, he gets to go with Jim at the end, which yeah. is very nice. I yeah. like that. That's a sweet moment. Um, but I don't know what else I can say about Morph. He's just a cool guy. Yeah, I think he he's in the the canon of cute, cuddly characters that would probably make really good merchandise. And then going off of that, I would say Ben, who's voiced by Martin Short, hits the canon of. Hyperactive character? No, I was <laughs> going to say um, I'm going to fill the role of the comedian who got hired to play the most loud, bombastic yeah. role, which I think obviously hits, at, it starts happening and hits its highest watermark that you cannot really touch with Robin Williams as the genie. Mm-hmm. And then I think they realize like, oh, we can we can do this and hire stand-up comedians and other like famous comedians to fulfill these these roles of you know the the fun gregarious sidekick yeah. who, um, you know, isn't really part of the world and isn't introduced until much later in the yeah. in the story. And so I think you know that's obviously what Martin Short's character Ben fulfills. Well, ben is is fun as well. He just definitely feels like he's operating. A slightly different tone. Yeah, I mean, um, it also, like I said, with those roles, they they hired them based off of like the actors. I'm sure they asked for other actors, but I would imagine like once he got cast, they're like, okay, this is what the character is going to be because Martin Short has a very specific type of mm-hmm. comedy and a specific, literally and figuratively, like voice for comedy. And it, so they're like, this is what his character is, and he doesn't seem like he really belongs in the world, which does mm-hmm. work for the character, but it does yeah. take you out of the whole tone of the story sometimes. It is arguably a problem with uh, several of those movies um, yes. in that it stops them from being able to feel timeless. Agreed. Because they're very tied to whatever comedic sensibilities existed right then. 
Yeah. I guess. Agreed. Um, I mean, I don't... I don't mind that character, just because he's not really in it that much. No, no. I can understand complaints for people that might just have complaints about the comedy and or, you know, Martin Short. Uh, they're like, oh, he's annoying. I was like, well, yeah, he's annoying, but, you know, like, the character is annoying, and he's not in it for very long, and he is useful. Um, he just might not end up being, like, anybody's, like, favorite character. Mm-hmm. Or he might be. But uh, in he terms of, so like, bad. additions, I don't think he's that bad in retrospect. I think that our, our main people are pretty good. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jim, you know, Jim's a little I mean, just Gordon-Levitt. How can you how can go wrong? He has, yeah, he has a good voice. He's and, got a great voice. Um, he's doing great work. You know, he, he stands up for himself, it's which nice is good. He's angsty, trying hard, learn how to tie those knots. I think uh, I think Captain Amelia and Dr. Doppler are more, more exciting, probably. Well, I mean, pff, look at the fucking voice actors. Yes, yes, we got... So good. Like you said, would you like to say it again? Um, the official name. Dame. Yes. D- let, let that resonate for you. Dame Emma Thompson. And, uh... I gotta check that and make sure I'm right, because I'm gonna feel really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> if, okay, but to be fair, if I am wrong, we, that's a wrong that needs to be righted, guys. Just, just saying. Am I don't right? know if am you're I allowed right? to make that distinction. I know I'm not, but I can throw... Oh, yeah, I'm right. Okay. There you go, there you go. <laughs> I was gonna be like... Well, uh... No! Not as exciting, but... Uh, David Hyde Pierce hey. is, is For those of you who don't know who that is, that is Niles from Treasure. Yeah. He's pretty great. He's so delightful. I, I pinned his voice very quickly. Yeah. Um, it's it's distinct, and yet I thought it was Evan Klein. <laughs> <laughs> That's an understandable mistake, Thank I you. think. But then um, I was like, that can't be right. They put him in Hunchback. And then, like, within two minutes of watching the movie, we're like, oh, no, it's, it's clearly not. It's a not. similar niche, but yeah. with more emphasis on neuroticism mm-hmm. in David Hyperius' yes. case. Yes. Um, he does the the damn it Jim line. <laughs> yes, he does. Great, that was fun. Where he goes on about having a doctorate and being a doctor, but not that kind of doctor. And I was like, I can't mm-hmm. believe you guys put this in here. That's amazing. <laughs> they were fun. Star Trek joke. Had a little, a little will they, won't they going on, you know. Oh, and they did. Mostly because it, of course, is sort of interspecies deal, which mm. some of the other characters might have frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Um... But it all worked out yeah. in the end. Yeah. Like we discussed. She is just such a she's such a she's fun pretty character. she's pretty fun. She's like super awesome, capable, really funny. Like I just want to be her best friend. Or her, honestly. I can't quit to be honest. Um and I do also really appreciate that like as we said, Treasure Island was pitched as like a boyhood adventure mm-hmm. and there are not a lot of women in it, and so it is I mean, they even have, like, an evil lady pirate, and I don't remember her name. She's, like, the two, two-armed... two Oh, yeah. She's pretty scary. She is scary. But, I mean, that being said, I appreciate that you have the most, you know, powerful uh, member of the crew... member of the crew, ...is yeah. a woman, and she's incredibly competent and, like, really fun and has a personality and just kicks some serious ass. And But, you know, it's clearly, like, she's a feline... Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. great. There's nobody else like her. I, I obviously wish that there was... We also talked about how we really like Jim's mom. Like, she was dope. Yeah. And we were bummed that she wasn't in it more, but that does... That's, that's the story, that's I guess. That's the story. Yeah. So, like, in the original, she doesn't go on the adventure. Would it ruin the, boy, the boy's adventure vibe yeah, that he took his mom? Yeah, if the parent is coming, <laughs> yeah. tagging along. Probably. Um, yeah, but... Uh, I just do like how in that space... They probably it, could have included her more in a sequel. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, they, they would have because, I mean... There would have been a girl um, who was in the, the 
Interstellar Fleet Interplanet Academy. I should really figure out what that name was. I forgot. Starfleet. Starfleet. Starfleet Academy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I think that in a a world where you are, you know, just putting a a new spin on a classic story, you know, you, you should be given, you know, the the space to play around with the characters and not have it be all dudes just because it was all dudes in the original and obviously you can always put in more and they didn't but i like that you know at the very least we got a really cool character out of it that any wasn't the, in the original text any changes are just exciting anyway yeah e- even not knowing the original story front to back yeah i can still tell which parts were farther out from mm-hmm. direct adaptation and Usually those parts were a little exciting because I would feel like, well, I think, you know, this element is different. And so I don't exactly have an idea of what they might do with it. Yeah. Um, Which is fun. I do really enjoy trying to kind of pivot into our pirate tropes. Yes. yes. I really, really like, and you pointed this out, which was great because I couldn't articulate it because my brain was like, oh, this looks familiar, where they kind of have a one-to-one for the more naval aspect of the pirate stuff. Like, instead of going into a whirlpool, like what you might see in some more high-concept, like, pirate movie blowouts, like, at um, at World's End. At World's End, yes. You know, with the big, massive whirlpool. Instead, they have, like, a black hole and supernovas. So you do get a sense of the ocean, yeah. despite the fact that you are literally in space and you could go in any direction, honestly. It's one of my favorite uh, little tropes, anyway, is yeah. the, uh, the whirlpool. Mm-hmm. It's and, terrifying. But. Yeah, and then I also appreciate, you know, when you have been fucking the, the, up with the gravity levels, Yeah, it reads up top when you have Jim going up against Scroop uh, kind of towards the end of the movie. It reads as like a storm, where it's mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. similar to, obviously, like the supernova and the black hole, but it's fun that, like, that literally is being generated by, like, down below decks. Yeah. Um, and... You know, obviously, like, how they navigate things with the the map and stuff. It's more like a cool globe that you have to, like, puzzle out. Um, It's just very, very tangible, and it's fun to see the one-to-one. And then, obviously, my favorite thing is kind of dealing with, like, the myth of Captain Flint, who is also in the original, of, like, he's this pirate who stole great amounts of treasure and seemed to show up out of nowhere and disappear. And they also have that in, in the lore in this movie, but they have like a, the reality is it's like well the reason why it looks like he shows up out of nowhere and disappears and can just you know haul all this treasure to a planet is because he's using portals and that's yeah. super cool because it doesn't break the mystique it's kind of very similar to what they do in like the Pirates of the Caribbean franchises where you're like oh here's all these rumors and myths about these pirates and you're mm-hmm. like okay here's the reality and like the reality doesn't break the story it just kind of makes it really interesting to be like oh here's how it got word of mouth spread and built up to be this mythic thing when reality it's it's something actually that can be explained i think it's it's the most creative part yeah um and the idea is very fun and, and the way it ties into the the end action scene where he has to surfboard yes he gets to use the surfboard and set the um set the portal for them is is very exciting um i also just like the uh, concept of them having to go, uh, the portal takes them inside the planet, which is where the treasure is. Right. It's fun because obviously no one could ever get there without the portals, so mm-hmm. um, so it's tied into that very well. It also does a nice job of expanding the world without going anywhere, because you can flip through a bunch of portals, it's like channel surfing, and it's fun to be like, oh, these are just cool, crazy places off the edge of the map that we don't know about, or do know about, and would love to explore, but mm-hmm. can't. It's such a, a standard um, move, too, to have them find the place with 
the X yes. and there's nothing there and usually it means it's it's like a trick and you know it's somewhere else but in this case it's just that uh like it's not you know it's not literally on the planet like it's right. it's more complicated than that right right which I think is fun um it's also just like because the answer to how it happened was the portals mm-hmm. it does manage to really substitute technology and for for something like magic or, or fantasy yeah. which is probably the most uh, successful science fiction sort of mesh uh, thing that happens in yeah. the in the story just the idea that like they're not just looking for for treasure you know they they discover a secret that is based off of technology that no built. one knew about and yeah. and it essentially has the same function as like discovering some mysterious curse or something that no one understands within within their world it's mm-hmm. equally um awe-inspiring and mysterious yeah that's kind of fun i like that i like that yeah. um i also we we talked about this earlier outside of the podcast so let's mm-hmm. just bring it in uh this is one of the f- few uh ones that we've covered where the pirates are actually legitimately like the bad guys yeah and that always seems to be the case with our previous podcast that we've done with Shipwrecked, which is very similar to this storyline of basically being like, it's a coming-of-age story for a kid, and he gets, like, you know, wrapped up and caught up in pirates and treasure and mutiny. And for that to be, like, the bad guys, it's almost inevitably the pirates. So that is the case with this one as well, even though, like we said, like, the main pirate, the iconic pirate is fulfilling his role in this world is a lot more cuddler than uh, cuddlier than other iterations of him but yeah it's it's very different from all the other pirates that we've covered where either they're privateers or like hmm. you know they're they're stealing but they have a heart of gold and there's a reason why they're stealing it's you fine know? for whatever reason yeah it's fine it's fine just like ignore the the moral implications of them you know being being pirates whereas this one obviously they're not as bloodthirsty or cutthroat because you know it is disney um it is really interesting to be like oh yeah you know we're still going to carry over those most classic of tropes even though those tropes don't seem to be really used as much anymore in more of the modern or maybe not even modern pirate movies that we've covered, because, you know, obviously Errol Flynn is a pirate, and he's a good guy, quote-unquote, mm. in those movies. And um, it's just... Well, Treasure Island is just more traditional in many yes, ways, obviously. that's a better way of putting I mean, it. More traditional. This is also full of many, many piratey um This is like the, we the source about, of a lot you know. of pirate tropes, is obviously... Um, they got uh the you have like the the x marks the spot yeah, the map the mutiny has treasure the maps the, yeah it, uh he is a cabin boy which is something we haven't seen as much of true. but of course we did see in very true in shipwrecked as well yeah but is typically a a trope the main reason it wasn't of course is that several of the ones we've watched were just about yeah adults yeah. um but if you do any story at all with young people and pirates it's almost always going to involve them becoming like cabin boy or girl boy. Yes. yeah um or a stowaway um yeah. i will say that it, obviously treasure island is kind of famous for a lot of the the tropes so you know like we said before but it is important to note that like the author uh, the original author uh, robert lewis stevenson mm-hmm also was pulling from a bunch of other sources as well so even though we do we're like oh yeah it all came from one this this one story it's like no he he cherry-picked as well which is fun because i mean that is kind of similar to what happens 
in these stories is like you kind of can pick and choose like oh we're gonna have a whirlpool we're gonna have like the x marks we're gonna have the map mm-hmm. you know we're gonna have the tropical island like everybody's just borrowing from everything and, and remixing it all the time with this particular genre as well as other genres across the board but it is fun to see you know how they come into play and what different iterations and combinations they can create in the pirate genre by branching out a little bit more or stealing from other things yeah it's the pirate way it's the pirate way it's true so i'm trying to think of anything else that was just about everything on my little notes list except for a mention of jim hawkins frankly uh rather uh, stereotyping uh, behavior when he oh yeah with the cyborg yes because because cyborg is the replacement for uh beware one-legged man yes um which i was think works a little better because it's gonna be more noticeable if there's one guy on a ship who has one leg you know i mean it depends on the era and the, the quality on... of life to be perfectly yeah, that's honest. true that's true but I feel like if you immediately encountered a man with one leg after such a warning, you would be like, I mean, it's, it's be this probably guy, right? that guy. Yeah, yeah. Whereas when in this movie, when Jim is told to beware of a cyborg and then encounters a cyborg, I feel like he probably sees cyborgs Well, that's what, I mean, Long John calls him out on it. And it was yeah. like, there's a bunch of cyborgs at this port. Unfortunately, it is him. It is so him. So his defense Not right. falls flat. He's a smooth talker. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, he's not he's not exactly a credit to cyborgs there, is he? You no, know? not He's not like, much. why would you assume that? I mean, totally is me, but... <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I really want to taste that man's cooking. Because he seems like he's got it down. He was very fast. He yes. was, yeah. He knows how to use those uh, special cyborg parts mm-hmm. for efficiency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. Especially because it is kind of like a... A stereotype that like the ship's captain is always just like the cook is really important and everybody's like yes he's so important and then he like cooks them bad food this food doesn't look that bad no i think it's good yeah it's probably why they all trust him in the first place Mm -hmm. Mm Mhm. that's the pirate way hearty meal hearty meal (laughs) i feel i should just ask you yes who your favorite character is but i feel like maybe we already know i mean it's uh, it's amelia i guess it's it's captain amelia hands down she's pretty good she's so great i mean my i the this movie is not perfect and we all say it's not perfect and i would argue the reason why it's not perfect is because she's not the main character (laughs) that's fair uh that's not true but she is pretty excellent um yeah you know i don't i do generally enjoy the movie i wouldn't mind watching it again which does beg the question of like why did it not do so well um, and we've already talked about, like, it was very expensive and all that jazz, but I am curious because, like, it is isn't that weird animated history time period where things weren't going super great for them, and they were starting to lose money and try and take different le- risks and do different animation, but, like, watching this, it sells exactly what it's going for, which is, like, it's it's literally Treasure Island in space, and it's pretty enjoyable. So, I can see why people our age maybe a little younger a little older who did end up growing up with it and realize like i don't understand what everybody's lack is with this it's pretty it's pretty all right it's perfectly entertaining yeah i i don't see anything horribly objectionable no at least yeah um i suppose she's a pretty good character yeah i'm just gonna go for for morph ah that's a good one not a particularly strong character arc or anything no. but 
just felt like Morph brought a lot to the screen. He really did. Yeah. Multiple times with yeah. multiple iterations of things. Yeah, a lot of a lot of. Variety. He is also kind of uh, you know an important part of the plot because he keeps morphing into things that everybody wants. That's true. And then they get mad at him because they're like, "Damn it, Morph!" He's a trickster. You're a trickster. <laughs> Pulled that prank on me. I can't again, be mad at you. Again. Look at your little cute eyeballs. It's true. It's true. Uh, and I don't know what the what are the best scene. What do you think the best scene is? I think the best scene, honestly, is when he gives Morph to to Jim. It's like yeah, the, a the good very emotional beat at the very end. It probably is. I think it's just because there's this moment of like Jim being like, "Where are you going?" And they both know where they're going, like where he's mm-hmm. trying, like he's trying to steal the ship and leave. And he's like, "Oh, you know, like he's still full of bluster, like he has been with everybody." And it's just like, obviously, he's not as cutthroat and scary as other forms of him and other mm-hmm. projects but it's just a moment of him just you know I don't know where the, 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 the he's not lying to him and he they both know where they stand and it's just like a really sweet moment he's like I'm always going to be doing this and this is who I am and I don't want to go to jail and all that jazz and it's just like a, it's kind of an understanding um that I like that is not quite on the same level because it's a very different relationship, but I think it's it's the it's a mutual respect despite being on opposite sides of the board that's very similar to like Norrington at the end of the first pirates where it's like, Oh, we can give him one day head start and it just mm-hmm. feels like this momentous occasion of like, All right, I'll let him go because, you know, this is our father son dynamic relationship has altered a little bit, but yeah. also like I will always care for you and even though I know what you're doing is wrong, I'm gonna let you get away. I think that's and I like that. The best I like scene. those moments. I think it's it's one of the best scenes. Um, yeah. Even though I should uh, have said Amelia's introduction, <laughs> Captain I, Amelia. I think every that, scene uh, she's in. That that sequence where Mr. Arrow dies, the oh scary God. whirlpool sequence, is also quite good, just because it's one of the it's most tense parts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think in terms of sequences, I also do really like the part where they do, you know, they engage the star map and you see all the portals mm. and then you're finally like ah here's here's the treasure the really spacey parts basically yeah those are fun um but yeah i think that's probably the strongest character moment is that and so i really like that um it's a good time i'm trying to i mean I'm trying to think of anything else i think we've got it covered. that's just about it for treasure planet fun iteration i'm yeah i don't know what we're gonna do next because there's so many other treasure island iterations I don't one day I will see one of those. Yeah, but it's it's not anytime soon. <laughs> All right, I guess we should sign off then. This has been Vicky. This is Camden. And uh, we'll be talking to you guys real soon. Bye. Bye. If you guys liked our show, please let us know. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcast, and also feel free to contact us on our main website. That one is grumpyoctopusproductions.com. Then I'll link you up to all of our social media. You can follow us on Twitter and or like us on Facebook, and you can reach out to us at our email account. That is grumpyoctopusproductions at gmail.com. I think we're sensing a bit of a trend here. (laughs) Um, Also on the website, you guys can check out all of our episode and production notes and fun little extras as well. So, as always, thanks for listening, loyal listeners. Alrighty, signing off.